0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say, John the Baptist. Others, Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We live in a day and an age of moral relativism. Moral relativism. Raise your hands if you've heard that that term before. Okay, very good. Uh, about thirty percent, forty percent of us. So relativism, and so sometimes we're like fish in water, right? And it's it, it can be very helpful to just. See what is the ethos that we're living in in our time, and you know we're just constantly um, being bombarded by different ideas and thoughts in the culture that pervade us. And to just take a step back and to see what are those thoughts and what is the culture—that is to say, that is like the the various customs, the thoughts the beliefs, the kind of imaginative, the, the state of imagination of, 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 the, of the realm that we dwell in, in, in the mind. Um, what is that like? And, and, and some of that is good and some of that is bad, and we need to assess that as Christians with Jesus. And so moral relativism is something that exists that says, basically, there's my truth, there's your truth, there's Jimmy's truth, there's Susie's truth. We all have our different forms of truth. And, you know, we try to kind of live in, along with each other in harmony, but everybody has their own truth. And, you know, you, you guys, you, you know, like for us right now, you Catholics, you might kind of have your truth. And, you know, that's nice as long as, you know, um, you don't push that or press that upon me. It's all good. Now, we as Catholics don't believe in moral relativism. We believe that, yes, all human beings have different subjective experiences. We kind of process various events and our experiences in different ways, no doubt about it. But there is something that exists called objective truth. And there is a moral objective objectivity that exists okay and so just because everybody is saying you know all of a sudden this particular thing is fashionable that doesn't mean that we as Catholics cling on to that I remember a couple of years ago uh, an example I bring up is there's a famous football quarterback Um, who took a stance on, um, you know, you guys remember a couple years ago is like a big, it's a big deal with the kneeling for the American flag or standing and everybody was kind of, it was like a little cultural debate. I'm not really interested in talking about the debate itself, but the example that I want to bring up is that this uh, quarterback um, said, I'm not kneeling um, when the national anthem comes on and when the flag's presented because this, this and that, whatever. But then he got so much heat in the next couple of days that he completely changed his stance on it, he said, um, "You know he, my, th- this is I was actually wrong before, and, and um, this is the wrong thing to do." And so he just kind of went with what was, you know, what the public and what was fashionable, et cetera, et cetera. Now the church doesn't do that. The Catholic Church says. God became a human being, and God has revealed to us objective truths. Not about everything. This is where sometimes people get hung up. They point to science right away. Well, the church shouldn't have any right to talk. Well, we don't talk about science as objective truth. There's nothing about science the physical sciences and our doctrine, our dogma. The things we're concerned about that we believe we have the answers to objectively is things of God, and not everything, just certain aspects. We know about God, we know about human beings, what we are, who we are, where we're going, and we know about salvation. Those are kind of like the main categories I would say. And how to how to obtain salvation. And the reason that we know these things is because God became one of us, we believe, and told us about those things. And so we have two pillars in the Catholic Church that we talk about as our foundations. Scripture and tradition. Scripture and tradition. This is how God reveals to us truths about ourselves, truths about God, and truths about our eternal destinies and how to, how to obtain salvation. Today we have a very, very, very important passage that says so much about who we are as Catholics and not just who we are as catholics. This is a very strong assertion when you look at the implications. It's basically saying here, Jesus is saying, Peter, you are my successor on earth. I am giving you a I am giving you this position of being my right-hand man. Because we as Catholics believe in this notion of the Incarnation. The Incarnation is the enfleshment of God. That means that God became one of us. He took on flesh. became a human being. Now, we don't believe that the enfleshment of God stopped when Jesus ascended into heaven. Actually, what we believe is that God still dwells on earth, That the kingdom of God is still among us, and that that continues through our baptism. God dwells in all of us. At that moment, God comes to dwell in us. started with the Pentecost, but then as as the church continued throughout the ages and expanded throughout the world, baptism. Baptism. And... Remember I was talking about scripture and tradition as the pillars. We have a thing in the Catholic Church that started with Jesus where he appointed again a continuation of the incarnation in the world, tangible, practical. Jesus's presence among us in a teaching capacity continues on through Peter and the successor of the apostles. Now, I would I would I would like all of us to have on the tip of our tongues this phrase that is beautiful and we should be very proud of as Catholics, which is called apostolic succession. Raise your hands if you've heard that term before. Apostolic succession. Thank you. Apostolic succession. That means, okay, we talk about You know, why should you be Catholic? Why not be Lutheran? Why not be um, a part of the Episcopal Church? Why not be Baptist? Or why not go over to the non-denominational church? You know, they have a more exciting service, Father. Okay. Fair enough. All right. We are Catholic because this is the religion that Jesus himself founded. Father, that's not polite. You can't say that kind of stuff. Just, you know, that's rude to our, you know, my cousin or my sister or my husband or whoever. Okay, but it's true. God became a human being in the person of Jesus. He did not desire for us to have a thousand different types of Christian religions. In fact, Jesus explicitly says this at the Last Supper. As he's praying to God the Father at the Last Supper, which is the first Mass, He prayed for what we also pray for, by the way, when we celebrate Mass, as we continue the Mass throughout the ages, uh, we pray for the unification of Christians. Now, we had a major, major split in the 1500s, and from that split came a thousand other different splits. But in this passage, we read that God had a plan, and God's plan, coming back to the the phrase apostolic succession, was that God in the person of Jesus would appoint Peter. And Peter would be the the face of the church. I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Under the protection of Peter, under his fatherly protection, the word pope comes from the word, it's, it's a form of papa, father. Under Peter's protection, we need not fear death, we need not fear hell. If we are living in obedience under Peter's protection, both, both a, a submission of the intellect, and we hold to the church's teachings, and we also are living out the faith. Can't just be what we believe; it has to be as we live. And so, Jesus appointed Peter. Peter was martyred, as we know. And then came another pope, and then came another pope, and then came another pope. And Jesus appointed these twelve; he chose them as our first bishops in the church, the apostles. And they, when they, when they, when they uh, were. The church started growing pretty quickly and they needed more bishops and they needed more priests and so they appointed other bishops and other priests and so what apostolic succession is is the concept that our bishop bishop Ron Hicks can trace back his authority to the Apostles and then to Jesus all the way back this bishop appointed this bishop and this bishop, uh, ordained this bishop, and etc., etc., throughout time and history. That is only the case in our religion, in the Catholic Church. And that's where we get off saying, yes, we are the one true faith. We have the fullness of faith. That doesn't mean that our other, our brothers and sisters in different Protestant denominations are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this is the church that Jesus established and when we're looking for moral guidance and the objective truth of reality, the most important things of, of reality, we look to our church. Because we don't move with the fads of the, and the fashions of the time. We do not move with the fads and the fashions of the time. And so as the culture has moved in the past hundred years, a hundred years ago, if you were to survey all the major denominations of Christianity in America, you would say, hey, what are your teachings on abortion? What are your teachings on artificial contraception? What are your teachings on human sexuality? having Engaging in marital relations before marriage? Or on what is a man, what is a woman? We all would have been in agreement. Now, if you were to survey all the various denominations, right now, you get... A lot of different answers. But guess who has not changed their teaching on those things? Us. Because God doesn't change his teachings on what a human being is. And we adapt to different times, etc., etc., and we still love everybody as they are, etc. But these are the sure norms for getting us to heaven. And we should be very, very careful to get outside of those norms. And I realize that all of us have different issues with church teachings, or maybe we don't anymore, but we did when we were, you know, in our in our youth or at different points in our lives. We got to wrestle with these things. We got to grapple with them. I know I, I've had to grapple with with plenty of things um, throughout throughout my life. As the church, as Christ speaks, but but this is God, and God has established reality. Um, and and we do not have any type of uh, dominion over reality god does and this and, and really when we are like sons and daughters of god in obedience and we open ourselves to the lord it's really quite joyful and quite free it's wonderful it's like a kid who is under their parents protection who doesn't worry about anything they know mom and dad is there and They're protected. There's nothing to worry about. For us as Catholics, quite frankly, under the protection of the Church, there is absolutely nothing we have to worry about. Lord, we ask you to bless us, to bring us closer to yourself, to bless our Holy Father, Pope Francis, to bless our own Bishop, Bishop Hicks. Thank you for the gift of our Catholic heritage, for the gift of the Church. For the gift of objective, unchanging truths, which are just signs for us that point us in the right direction, and teach us how to be more of ourselves, and more at peace with ourselves, and more at peace with you, and more at peace with others. Keep us on the pathway to heaven all the rest of the days of our life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's take a few moments in silent prayer just to listen to and speak with the Lord Jesus in our hearts.